Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is coming back for a second interview. It is my longtime friend, Dean Forbes. He is a salon optimization coach, and he is amazing at what he does. uh, We were just chatting right before we hit record, saying that we're still having the same issues and concerns and problems when he goes out to visit salons as I worked on with him 15 years ago. So we need to hear from Dean. We need an update on how we can behave differently so we don't keep sitting in the same spot that we always are and we can do things differently. So Dean, thank you for coming back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Elaine. I appreciate it. Always love spending time with you, of course, for sure. And I appreciate spending time with your community. Uh, and yeah, it's an interesting conversation, right, about the, the same problems that we're having. And as I was telling you before, you know, last week I walked into a salon and the first thing out of the salon owner's mouth when I. I asked my question, so, you know, what's going on? You know, uh, I can't get into to sell anything. And the retail conversation is still huge and nobody is really teaching uh, how to actually knock the retail game out of the park. And so they have this up and down cycle of who's selling in the salon and who's not. And so this is still one of my top requested program to do for salons, in salons, or even on uh, Zoom is to teach. Uh, well, I have a class called Million Dollar Verbiage right now. It wasn't called that way back when. You know, when you and I did it, I think it was called something totally different. It got upgraded to call, be called ABC, which is always be closing. And today it's called Million Dollar Verbiage. And the reason why I ended up calling it Million Dollar Verbiage is because, you know, I tracked what has happened over the years of teaching this and how it has evolved. And it's definitely created at least, you know, a few million dollars in retail revenue for the people that have engaged in it uh, so far. And so it's gotten to a point where now it's it's been definitely morphed to what I think is the right conversation we have in today around retail. So um, one of the biggest, biggest aha moments for me in working with you was, you know, as salon owners, we want you to get right to our pain point. And usually the pain point is staff showing up late, calling out sick, not selling retail, not retaining clients. There's a whole list of things that we're concerned about, but the the interesting thing and the way that you worked with us and where we got the biggest results was in the culture piece. You know, we yeah. tend to not realize that that is the overarching issue and we always want the quick fix, you know, tell them how to sell, tell them how to do this, tell them to be on time. And you had us really work together on what are the elephants in the room? What are the issues culturally with the staff that's preventing them from being their best selves? So I, I had to share that because you know you you can do your million dollar class and you can do these little piecemeal classes, but until the connection and the culture is right, most things are not going to be on point. In the- Elaine, you said that more beautiful than I've ever heard it said by any other salon owner in my life. You knocked. I got goosebumps when you were talking because. <laughs> so here, here here's the reason why I'm saying that. I'm saying that because 
over the years, you know, I've had to um, coin what I'm doing. And people ask me all the time. And the interesting thing is that the last two years, I actually wrote the formula for what you just said. And the formula is culture, championship culture, divided by scalable sales systems multiplied by excellence in execution equals profitability. Okay. Now I have it's, chills. I have yeah, chills it, now. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's literally on the wall right over. I wish I could hold on a second. I wonder if I could do this real quick. I don't know if you can see it. Let me see if it's over there. Right there on the wall. It's, it's, it's right there on the wall. I don't know if you can see it, but it is on the wall over there next to the lamp where I wrote that formula down and I look at it every single day right there. Championship culture divided by scale with sales systems multiplied by execution excellence equals P3, performance, productivity, and profit. And that you're absolutely right. If your culture isn't a, isn't, a, isn't a selling culture, they won't sell. If your culture isn't an on-time culture, they won't be on time. And leadership decides or directs what culture is supposed to be. And if, you know, one, if you're not leading by example, understand what that example should look like, your culture is going to look at, you know, the, what do they say? The fish stings from the head down, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and so if you can't get your culture right in your salon, then you're in trouble. And by the way, I, you know, Elaine, I know you have uh, sweet owners or sweet leasers that listen to your podcast as well, that may be single in a salon. And I'll tell you right now, don't think for one second that culture isn't important to you as well, because culture isn't just how, uh, just for multiple people. It's also what's your standard then, if you want to call it a culture, mm -hmm. right? What kind of people do you want to attract to you? And how are you behaving in your space as a proprietor to bring the right people in and have the right things happen in your business? So that's really important. So thank you for saying that. I love that you said that because something that I notice in the uh, sweet culture is um, the feeling of, I finally can do whatever I want. I can wear whatever I want. I can make my own hours. If I'm not busy, I can just leave to which I just sit back and chuckle and say, oh, honey, you have no you idea. Don't, you don't even know. <laughs> your, your culture is even more important now that you're alone because you can't hide behind the people that are showing up the way that they should. You know, Absolutely. if you, if you came into, if I came into work one day and my hair was like a little flat frazzled and not my normal, um, makeup and, and dress code or whatever, if I wasn't feeling well, clients would notice, they would say, are you okay? You know, like they would call yeah. me out on it, but they would look around and everyone else looked great and beautiful. So it was still a great experience. But if I come in looking haggard every single day, you know, there's nobody else to deflect that feeling and vibe. Most of our clients come to us for fashion and beauty and and look up to us for those things so don't forget that they're paying attention to what you look like and how you absolutely you, you know you, you can't just you can't just say you want to be the part you got to look the part no you, you have to look the part and and, and you're going to attract whatever it is whatever image you're portraying you're going to attract that same thing back to you so if you want to repel the clientele uh that you don't want then you have to um put on a sh put on a show or have the image of the clientele you do want uh, so that that's the case. And when you're by yourself, there's nobody to hold you accountable except for you. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the problem, right? Nobody to hold you accountable except for you. And so you can't take that for granted and start willy nillying and saying, I'm going to do what I want when I want, how I want. Uh, you know, it's got to be about the client every single time. And if you have them in the forefront of your mind, then it will direct you or instruct you on exactly how you need to behave in your business for sure. No question. 
So, uh, Elaine, I'm curious. Am I allowed to ask a question on this show? I mean, this is your show. So, my question is, but to your audience, and then you tell me, is you know, what do you think that you have people that are listening right now who struggle to be profitable? I think there's definitely profitability issues, and I think a lot of it stems from that. Um, money story that they have that, you know, they may have been told when they were going to beauty school, oh, you should go to college, you'll make more money, you're not going to make any money. And, you know, I, I just did my um, coaching call last night with my members and somebody said, I find myself deciding how much I would pay for the service that I'm offering to the client and I make the price what I would pay. And I'm like, mic drop right there. That's exactly what's going on. They're pricing it according to their belief in what they either can afford or they think that it's worth mm -hmm. it, even if their skill is beyond to that client. Oh, that's like raking the chalkboard. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, okay, so... Elaine, since you said it, would you mind if we dive into that a little bit? Let's talk about that. Sure. All right. So, so the way I would say that is, you know, there was a time uh, back in the day when I, when I would teach, like, you know, how to raise prices and people would be scared to raise prices, right? The staffs are scared to raise prices and people are going to leave. And there's this whole methodology behind how you raise prices. And then, and then here was the scary part. The scary part now was when you raise the prices, Dean, what do you say? Right? What do you say when you raise prices? And we used to say things like, you know, uh, well, so-and-so just got a promotion uh, and that promotion obviously comes with a raise again, so the raise, we're so congratulations, we're proud of you. Uh, and that quickly, I shouldn't say quickly, but that eventually became like, I don't know, stale or cliche or, you know, the styles were just nervous about saying it. Even a salon owner, could, it couldn't roll off the tongue without them feeling awkward. And so what I've done in my career is I've taken a look even deeper at each of these problems and asked myself, okay, what is stopping them from feeling confident about when they say this? And what is the thing that I can create to help them never have to face that awkwardness again? And so when I approach the question that way, I spend hours doing research and looking around for what it could be. And so I'm gonna tell you all right now, this has been the holy grail of how you raise prices. And you could go raise prices in your salon today and do this and no one will question you about why, and here it is right now. When you raise prices in your salon, whether you're a stylist or whether it's the whole salon, and somebody either makes a fuss about it or asks about it, you simply say this. You let them know, hey, look, uh, all of our prices in our salon reflect the market demand. Done. See, people understand supply and demand, okay? They understand supply and demand. So when you say, uh, just, just so you know, uh, Elaine, that my, my prices reflect, reflect the market demand for my services. That's it. My prices always reflect the market demand for my services. You don't even have to get into, you know, why you raise and this. You just tell me exactly. My prices always reflect the market demand for my services. I that tells that. your client a couple of things. Number one, you're busy as hell. Number two, you're not available like you used to be. Okay, and number three, they get that when they shop in other places, see, we deal with inflation, we deal with price raising when the gas price is going up and all of those things. Psychologically, all human beings, at least in America, understand market demand. And therefore, when you say it like that, it just squashes everything else. So you guys take that run with it. I promise you it works. And look, 
Does it work like 100%? No, you, all of you have at least one Typhoon Mary in your clientele. That's still <laughs> going to make a fuss about it, okay? So just get over that. There's nothing else I can say to you but get over it. Don't use her as the benchmark and the excuse for not doing what I'm telling you to do that I know works, okay? Our prices always reflect the market demand for our services. End of conversation. I love that because we've all been to the gas pump recently and we see the prices and we don't go into the store to pay for the gas and say, how dare you raise that price without sending me a letter or putting a sign up on the tank or, you know, sending me an email. Like there's no other industry. I go to a dermatologist here in Florida. I never know what my total is going to be. It's different every single time. And they tell me my thing and I hand them my card and I pay it. And it's just- Yeah, it's that way with every industry, restaurants, doctor's offices, anyone else, it is what it is. But for some reason, in the salon world, we feel, I think it's because we create such relationships with our clients that we feel like we have to explain, over-explain and over-apologize. In anything, I love that you said our prices always reflect, um, you know, demand. Market demand, yeah. The market demand, because you don't have to say, you know, I, I see people, they'll put it in a Facebook forum. I'm so excited. I'm raising my prices today. Here's my letter. Tell me what you think. And it's literally a, an eight and a half by 11 full pager. And I'm like, wow, are you, you kidding would die me? You have to read that. Yeah, of course. And it's so apologetic. The whole tone of it is like, and the price of gloves used to be this and now it's that. And the price of foils, this and that. No client wants to hear that whatsoever. So that statement is so inclusive of everything that's going on and the reason behind it. And the bottom line, Dean, it doesn't matter how it's delivered. They're either going to pay it or not pay it. They're either going to stay or not stay. It doesn't matter how it's delivered. So I get a lot of pushback on that because my members will say, well, what do I do? And I'm like, literally, when I'm, when I'm raising my prices, I open up my laptop, I change the price, I close my laptop. Client comes up to the desk and says, oh, you know, we, we have those clients that are the check writers that have the check right now before they get there, just yeah. in case. Um, and they'll say, oh, that's, you know, $5 more than last time. And I say, yes, correct. There's been an increase. And they say, okay. And that's it. That's it. It, it, let, let's leave, let's leave your, your community with some confidence. Here, here, here's the, t- the statistics, okay? The statistics say that you could have anywhere between 7 and 10% attrition when you raise your prices. And here's the good news about that. If you raise your prices correctly, that 10% doesn't matter. You still end up making more money than you did before you had the price increase. Oh, wait, let's not forget the 10% attrition is happening whether you raise your price or not. I was just going to thank you, Elaine. I was just going to say that. That's That's the part that nobody pays attention to. (laughs) Exactly. That's the point. That is happening anyway. Understand that, okay? And the better news about this whole thing is if you're a good style, I want to say a good stylist, what I'm talking about is the experience that you give your client when they're in a the chair. If you offer an exceptional experience every time your client sits in a chair, your attrition rate is going to be less than 1%. I'm just letting you know that right now. It's going to be less than 1%. And, and the, the 1% that's not going to pay can't pay. They've hit their limit in their budget. They just can't do it. And that's it. You know, and that's when you recommend them to somebody else who's at a lower price point within your salon. And if you're a suite owner, um, trust me, still cool if you recommend them to somebody that's at a little price point, if you know that person. And why should you do that? 
just know this, Domino's went out during the pandemic and bought $100,000 of other restaurants gift cards and then gave them away in the boxes that people were buying. Listen to what I just said. Interesting, yeah, I didn't Domino's know that. bought, not negotiated, they bought $100,000 in gift cards from other restaurants to help them stay afloat and gave them away as added value whenever you order two pizzas. What do you think about I that? that? I love right? that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what they did. And so they definitely did their part in helping restaurants stay afloat. But think about the goodwill that they put in the bank with their own customers who also eat in other places because the pizza is from home where you're watching a game or having a family movie night. But if you want to go out for a nice dinner, you know, maybe date night once a week, Domino's just help with 25% or 50% of whatever that meal is going to cost you. Come on. That's Come amazing. On. Goodwill goes a long way. So, yeah. One of That's my favorite things that I learned from John DeJulius in his um, Secret Service book is one of my favorites from way back. And he says, make the service so amazing that they don't even think about price. Like I belong to a, a hotel here, their spa club. It's much cheaper mm-hmm. to be in the spa club. I go once a month. I pay $99 a month and every month I can pick a facial or a massage. It's a deal, right? It's amazing. So I expect such a level of service from this hotel because it's a five-star property. It's famous. Everybody knows about it. It's the Pink Palace, the Don Cesar. So when I don't get good service, I start to question my $99 deal. I'm not even paying the full $150 thing, but I'm like, whoa, I'm here every month. I'm tipping every month. I'm eating here every month when I come to the spa. So you know, you're making me question whether I should continue with doing that even at a discounted rate. So I want the people listening to understand that whether you're charging $30 for a haircut or 300, it's the service or lack thereof that's going to make them question the price, not the price. It doesn't matter what level it is. It's did they have an amazing experience? Because if I have an amazing experience, I throw my card up. I don't think twice about it. If I don't have an amazing experience, I'll go over a bill in a restaurant and be like, I want to make sure I didn't get charged for that appetizer they forgot. You know, I never do that. We never got our calamari. I bet you it's on the bill. I start nitpicking. And then I'm like, I'm not, I'm not tipping them 20%. They didn't give me a 20%. Like I'm, I'm totally chipping away. Or any other time I hand them the card before they even hand me the bill. I don't even look. Psychologically, you're doing that checkoff when when you feel like you haven't received the service that you paid for, right? It's all about the exchange of value for the money that you're going to pay. And if you feel in any way or shape or form slighted, you start to check off these things in your head. Absolutely. There's no question about that. That's happening all the time. And what um, our community here needs to realize is that psychologically, especially if you know you do this, what Elaine just said, understand that your clients are doing exactly the same thing. They're not different from you in terms of what's, and, and they don't even recognize it's happening, but it's something that definitely is happening every time you pull money out of your pocket. And if you have to think twice about that money, you're thinking twice about that money, <laughs> you know? So yeah, definitely, definitely um, uh, a good, a good thing to think about. So uh, Elaine, where should we take this next? Because I want to make sure that we're serving your community here really well. I mean, I, I still want to talk a little bit about profitability. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
every business owner, not just salon owners, wants to be profitable. You're in business for a profit. And what I want our community to remember is that we are in a profit business. And therefore, you have to run your business like you're in it for a profit. This is not a hobby. So here's always my question. We're in an industry that is worth over $60 billion a year, grows at a rate annually of about 7 to 10%, and yet less than 90 less than less than less than two percent of salons in the United States are actually operating at, at profitability. Real profit. So the first thing that I want to do after you let that sink in that number, because I'm pretty sure you want a piece of that profitability pie out of that 60 billion. First thing I want to sink in is do you and no disrespect to you guys when I say this, but do you know what profitability actually is in your salon? Do you know what that looks like? Do you know what that number is or where it belongs on your, 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 your balance sheet? And I'll tell you this much right now. I'm no finance guru. The lady in my life is the finance guru in this family, but I understand exactly what profitability looks like, right? Um, and so I want to tell you what that looks like first. This is very simple. You've paid all the bills that comes with your company, including your commission, if you work behind a chair, plus your manager's salary if you do other things where you work on your business, okay? So all expenses paid, including any owner benefits like leasing a car or any of that if you include that, like we did. And then you have money left on the bottom line that you can put in the bank that, is, that doesn't belong to anybody. It's not going to pay a credit card. It's not going to pay a mortgage. It's not going to pay a lease. It's paying for nothing. It's just in the bank. And if you choose at some point to reinvest in improvements of your business, you can use a profit. I what is I the average right now, Dean? Because it's always been really low, but I'm curious post-COVID what the average profitability is. You're not, you're not gonna like it. It hasn't changed that much. It's, it's, it's sub 6% most of the time. So it's even lower than it was. Yeah, it's sub 6%. Well, you know, I, I don't um, I don't know if it's ever been that much higher than six percent. And I've worked with at this point hundreds of salon owners, and personally worked with like a couple dozen like myself, like with them in the soup. And I don't think I've ever started working with a salon that was above seven percent profitability. You know, except for um, my, my lady was always in, in before we started running the salon together, um, and so I know that. 90% of salons are definitely not profitable. And, you know, if you take the top 5% in our industry, you know, 3% out of that top five are breaking even, or they're, they're, they're banking the profit into their, um, into their revenue or into their salary. Let's just call it that. So, you know, I mean, most salons I meet are living off the profit in the business. They're not, they're not really having a profit at the end of the day. Uh, and so I, I don't say that again, because I think people get that twisted. And, and that's a great point. When you see that there's a number on your sheet, your, your profit and loss sheet. And to your point, you didn't take a manager's salary. You didn't take a commission. I can't tell you how many owners say, well, I haven't paid myself in five years, yeah. but they're living off of whatever that little profit looks yeah. like. And that becomes yeah. their salary, but that's not true. That's not profitability. True. That's not true profitability. That's you. That you. You just have a job at that point, uh, and you and you live in check to check too. <laughs> you know when you have that job. Uh, so not to not to scare you guys. Don't be discouraged. The question is, how do you actually become profitable, right? How do you make sure that you become profitable? And 
I'm only going to, you know, we only have time for me to give you like a couple of tips here. So I'm going to give you what I think is some of the most important ones to understand. First of all, I just explained to you what profitability is. You need to have that in your mind as simple as you can. Write it down when, when, you know, when you're watching this. You know, profitability is all the bills have been paid, including your commissions and your salary as a manager, if you manage a salon. And then that number that's on the bottom line, that doesn't belong to anyone, that's your profit, okay? If at some point you choose to reinvest that to improve your business, you can spend that money out of the profit. But that's profit. That's where that lives, okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, do you have a budget guideline, okay? And do you know what it should be? So what you want to do is make sure you have a budget guideline that lists every single direct expense and indirect expense in your business and knowing what percentage of your money should be going to that. Now, when you put it up, it will not be correct. It will be all over the place. But here's the deal. When you have that budget guideline, it will instruct you in one of two ways. Either find a way to make more money so that it lines up or find a way to cut costs. So here's what I found most of the time. The biggest waste in a, in a, in a salon, uh, and when you're by yourself, it's probably going to be worse, is product waste. Like even in a salon as efficient as my girl used to run it, we were throwing $10,000, $15,000 down the drain in a multi-million salon every single year. Okay? Um, and so, so that's important, right? The other thing is all the ancillary stuff that you buy that you think you need that you never use. Like you know, over, <laughs> over buying baskets, over buying um, all this stuff for every, um, every holiday season that comes around, all this material to make sure that, you know, you know and here, here's, we spent money on a dishwasher that nobody ever used. Why? Because they, listen, guys, I don't, we're not immune either, right? Again, we're in a multi-million salon, definitely profitable, have all these highly trained skill stylists. And you know what they pitched about in our staff meeting? They wanted a damn dishwasher. <laughs> and then we get to the we get to the meeting and I'm like, we're not getting a dishwasher. And my lady goes, I already bought it. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Ask me how many times they actually used it before we actually sold the salon. And I'll tell you, I could count on one hand how many times people actually loaded that thing and emptied it. Okay, just not necessary. So you got to look out for those distracting things. It's like Netflix or, you know, The Bachelor or scrolling through Facebook. These are all distractions, right? So that's my, that's, so you have to have a budget guideline. My third tip is that you need, you need to have clear set, listen to the word, sales goals. Okay, let me say that again. Let it sink in. You need to have clearly defined sales goals. Every business for profit is in the business of sales. Recognize that. If you're in, if you're in a nonprofit business, don't worry about sales. If you're in a profit business, get obsessed with what your sales numbers should look like. Okay, because this is what's going to get you out of trouble. And this is what's going to lead you to the promised land of having profitability. So when you know what profitability is, you have a budget guideline that's guiding you that you don't need to line up. And then you can look at your, you know, you, you don't have the distractors and then you look at what your sales are going to be. Like, what is that number that you need to hit? Clearly defined. And that way you can develop systems behind making sure you hit those numbers. See, if, if you don't have that sales number in your mind, you can't plan for it. You're just shooting in the dark, throwing stuff up against the wall and hoping something sticks. 
You know, I mean, that's that's no way to run a business. If you're going to run a profitable business, you need to have those things in mind so you know exactly where you're going and what you're going to do. By the way, it also instructs your conversation and your coaching with your team if you have a team, right? How can you have a constructive conversation with your team if, if you don't have an idea where you're going? They will have no clue where they're going. It's just chaos, you know? Who, who climbed the tree to look over the jungle to see where the landmines are? I mean, you, that's, what your, that's what your goal system is all about. So those are my three top tips I can give you on how to become profitable. And if they sound oversimplified to you, that's because we're down with K-I-S-S, okay? Keep it simple, you know what, right? It, it's simple, simple, simple. I agree. And the, the best thing that I ever started doing from you is the budget guideline because as an owner, I, I was the type that I would sit down with my checkbook and it would be like electrical, write the check, gas yeah. bill, write the check, rent, write the check, you know? And then the, the sales rep would come in and say, what do you need? And I would turn around and look at the shelf and be like, give me six of this, eight of this, four. I would just throw numbers out totally willy nilly. And then I would end up having like a dozen of a color that would sit. And then one tube of a color we use all the time because there was no system. So when I would go to these business workshops, you know, the speaker would be doing their keynote and they talk about system, system, system. And I would say, and they would finish their talk and they would walk away. And I'd be like, so what's the system? I wasn't getting that you have to create your own and that's, you just have to have a system. There's no magic pill or magic formula, but you giving us the guideline of a proper percentage of advertising versus, you know, hard goods used on the back bar versus sellable goods mm-hmm. and the turnover of the sellable goods, like understanding that until you've sold X amount of hairspray, you should not be ordering another hairspray. It should be, you know, exactly. measured and, and with the system. So you don't have all this yeah. inventory sitting there. 100% Elaine. I mean, and Katya was meticulous with this inventory system. I mean, she was so efficient. You know, I, I hear uh, salon owners complain about their distributor relationships, let's just say. And one of the things they talk about is how their distributor doesn't help them. And I always say, what reason have you given your distributor to help them, to help you? And they'll say, well, I buy their stuff every month. I'm like, yeah, well, they sell to lots of other people who they're not. Exactly. So what reason have you given them to help you? And I say that to you because watching Katya in action with distributors is the best thing you've ever seen since sliced bread. Because she doesn't just say, help me because I'm huge. She doesn't just say, help me because I'm I'm doing all this money. No, what she does, she goes, oh, by the way, I just want you to know something. Look at the retail we did of your products last month. We hit 24% retail of service. So I'm running a promotion and I want you to provide all the free stuff I'm going to give away. Oh, you don't want to do it? That's fine. You know, the other guy that was in here before you will do that. But this is what we're doing. And it's not because your product is that good because nobody sells retail this good, okay? It's because we have a system. Our people are trained. I mean, literally, when she first met me, I came in to be her coach and I was the director of sales or whatever. She got me to buy not one, but two Tiffany bracelets to give away for a retail promotion. Each of them cost 1200 bucks. But why would I say no? She had the numbers. Understand what this means, guys. She had the numbers. We're going to do this much this month. You don't want to help me? Hell yeah, I want to help you. (laughs) Right? Hell yeah, I want to help you. So when you say your distributors don't help you, you got to give them a reason to help you. There's another reason how how you become profitable is I don't think Kata ever paid for a promotion that gave away product in her entire life. 
as a salon owner. Never happened. And it's, it goes back you to know? the old so, adage, asking you uh, shall receive. Point. If you never ask, they don't even know what it is that you need to, in order to support you. To your point, they have so many accounts, they can't possibly you know, anticipate who's going to need giveaways for a promotion. You have to step up and ask and, and form that relationship with your rep. Absolutely. You have to step up and ask. I think I froze there for a little bit. I don't know why, but anyway, you're back. Okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah. you have to step up and ask. If you don't ask, you know, it's not going to happen. And give them a reason too to do it. Like show them what your performance has been. Trust me, any salesperson, even your dumbest salesperson understands numbers, okay? When, when you show them what your performance has been, they're going to help you. Because it means that they're, you're going to be turning over their product, but you can't just expect them to help you just because you buy their stuff and you're not performing. The stuff is sitting on yourself for two, three, four, five weeks, and you're not moving anything, you know? Uh, and yeah, I remember going into a salon way back when, uh, when I was working at L'Oreal, and I put a sticker, a secret sticker on the bottom of a product that was in the mm. back of the shelf, and I came back about two or three weeks later and they told me everything was great and I went and found the bottle still about four bottles back and I showed this on and I said uh, she said what's that and I said that's my sticker she said did you just put that there I said no I put that there three weeks ago so simple right yeah so simple so yeah uh so Elaine where do you want to take this what what else do we got for your community here I always feel charged up when I'm doing this because I love this well, stuff. Well, I would say at this point, because you and I could talk forever, I oh, would share yeah. with them how to get more Dean and how to reach out to you for more. Um, yeah. Because there's so many topics that we can chat about. And uh, usually yeah. people's attention span dwindles after 30 minutes. We can, we can do a part two and get into more nitty gritty, but I want Absolutely. them to know how to get in touch with you. So guys, look, the best way to get in touch with me is to use Facebook Messenger. It's Dean Forbes. It'll pop right up. And, you know, right now, I'm going to make you a, a special, uh, I'm going to tell you what you, you want the budget guideline. I'm going to give it to Elaine's community for free. So what you nice. want to do is look me up on uh, Facebook and just text, send me a message that says budget guideline, and it will be yours. Okay, because if you don't have one, you need one. And, and from there, if you want to work with me further, understand exactly how you become profitable as you scale, uh, we can schedule some time on my calendar to talk about that. So you send me uh, a DM that simply says budget guideline and uh, it's yours. Awesome. That's so generous. Thank you, Dean. Of course. We, we will see more profitability in our listeners with that budget guideline. So thank you for coming back to the podcast. Thank you always for your time and energy. And thank you, everybody listening. And we will see you on the next one. Very cool. My pleasure. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.